Hi everyone, welcome to a very exciting episode of my podcast where we're going to start looking at some student journeys into higher education from home or abroad. So today I have my first ever guest with me. I'm super excited. Would you like to introduce yourself? Oh, sure. So hi, everybody. I am Aisha. I am born and brought up in India and I have been in the UK for the past one year pursuing a master's in neuropharmacology from NTU. Yeah, I've just graduated, like recently graduated. Finally. Super and right now I am looking for PhD opportunities uh, where I can actively involve in understanding the Alzheimer's disease, its pathology and developing drugs. Yeah, that's it. Very exciting. I got to come to your graduation ceremony, which was yeah. very exciting. How, do, how was that? that? That was a really good experience. Like. So this is my second master's degree. So it was very different from my graduation of undergraduate as well as master's. First of all, it was in the UK. So there was this cultural thing that was going on. And it was my first time on stage. I got to deliver the vote of thanks that I've never done in my life. You did such a great <laughs> job. I was so excited. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Laura. So it was a really good experience, you know, to earn the degree to go to the stage and then the vice chancellor giving you a handshake it was worth all the pain that I went through (laughs) did you have the fear that you were going to fall over as you walked across the stage I did have so I did wear a very big heels that was too big for me (laughs) I was scared but then I was conscious so I practiced it like a couple of times walking the stairs in my house but then uh, our ceremony was very well, you know, it, it considered all those aspects, I guess. Yeah. So we didn't have much of stairs. No. And then it, it it was really easy. We just had to walk like four or five steps. So I think the graduation team did a pretty good job considering all those heels, all those pretty ladies were wearing. <laughs> yeah, I get so scared wearing heels. I yeah. definitely am not a heels person. Exactly. And I'm never doing it again because... I fell sick with under two days of back pain. So wearing heels was a bad idea, but I looked good in the photos. Exactly. (laughs) Pain is beauty. So we've mentioned a couple of things already. So you've mentioned that you already did an undergrad and a master's degree before you came to the UK. Can you tell us a little bit more about those? Yeah. So I did my bachelor's in biotechnology. And after that, straight without a gap, went for a master's in microbiology. So why I did those degrees? Because I really had a passion for science Mm -hmm. and I wanted to pursue a career that uh, would help me uh, be close to the drug discovery. Mm -hmm. So fortunately, I got into Unilever Research and Development and then I closely worked with the team where I was looking into formulation science and skin development and developing biomolecular actives and testing their potency for wound healing processes Mm -hmm. and all but then one thing that I had in my mind back during my undergraduate days was that if I ever do a PhD it was going to be in neuroscience yeah because I have been following 
uh, neuroscience, especially neurodegeneration, focusing mm-hmm. on Alzheimer's disease, back from my undergraduate days. And I, I, I just decided that if I want to do it, it had to be in that because it's such a yeah. relevant topic and it yeah. has such a powerful impact because it's it doesn't just affect all those elderly people, but then there's a lot of other people who are getting affected, mm-hmm. the caretakers, the, the it affects the whole community actually. Yeah. And it needs to be addressed properly. So mm-hmm. it's been there and then it's been 12, 13 years. We don't have a drug yet. So it's quite an interesting why... field, isn't it? What was it that first sparked your interest in neuroscience? Was there like a specific lecture or like a news article or something? What was it that first? Uh, that's what I, I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> I, I struggle with this question when I <laughs> write as SOPs for yeah. the PhD. So everybody, they might have a personal motivation, yeah. like they might have a personal experience with somebody mm-hmm. with Alzheimer's. I never had that. But then one thing I knew how the disease or how I was aware of the disease, there used to be biochemistry classes mm-hmm. during my undergraduate for bachelor's in biotechnology. But then we never learned anything in detail. But then I came to be aware of protein aggregation happening in the disease. And that mm-hmm. was pretty common in all those neurodegeneration diseases affecting the brain. So during my undergraduate, I knew there was this thing. So I went on and read back, where does protein aggregation happen? Mm-hmm. How does it happen? And that's how I came to Alzheimer's disease. But then when I did my master's in uh, applied microbiology, I came across so many you know, there was this thing during that time, the gut-brain axis. So whatever you eat, it actually affects your brain. So that that was pretty popular when I was studying my master's. So I delved deep into that and Mm -hmm. I understood there is actually a connection on what you eat, especially women, on what you eat and the risk that you have to Mm -hmm. get the disease. I just kept reading and reading. But then one thing that I realized that however I read into it, there was no drugs that no. was coming out that was curing the disease. So this problem was just intensifying. That's how I came into Alzheimer's. So I, I really struggle, you know, when you, somebody asks that question, why disease? Why this? But then this is the story behind. Like, I think it's just the, it's just that it's never been cured. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of possibilities for a cure. That it's a problem to be solved. Exactly. That would have very wide-reaching impacts on the whole really? community. Yeah. And that that's a reason in of itself. You know, yeah. I, the kind of areas that I'm interested in tend to be because I have some sort of personal link to them. But that's just how I got introduced to the topic. You know, mm. and not everyone has that, do they? So it's really interesting. Yeah. So you'd already done an undergrad and you'd already done a master's. What made yes. you think, I want to do a second master's? So as I said, I wanted to do a PhD in neuroscience, that to in mm-hmm. Alzheimer's disease. But then my other two degrees and my career experience, they do not have the relevant basics for neuroscience because I've never had a, a course where I've studied neuroscience in detail mm-hmm. or any module both in my undergrad and in my master's. Mm -hmm. So I decided I wanted to do it right. If I wanted to do a PhD, I need to have my my basics strong. So I have lab experience and uh, research experience with Unilever Mm -hmm. of two years. I just want my basics to be strong. So I decided to, I was, 
I was very specific for choosing mm-hmm. the course. I needed a taught master's program yeah. where I coming from India, a UK degree has actually a pretty much more value than any other countries. Mm-hmm. Because if things don't work out and if I have to come back, I needed to make sure that I have a degree that puts me up in the, you know, the process of hiring again, if I mm-hmm. ever put myself through it. What then made you go for NTU? Well, NTU, first thing with NTU was that NTU did have uh, modules focusing on neurodegeneration. So I really went in in detail with the modules and I found out there was this particular module that focused on Alzheimer's disease. Mm-hmm. It's not that other universities didn't have it, but then NTU was offered the taught prog- taught master's program with these modules. Mm-hmm. Other universities, I did get, uh, I did pass the first round of application, mm-hmm. but then they were all not for the taught master's program. It was for the uh, master of research program. Yeah. So it's like there you spend more time for the research project, yeah. but I, for me personally, I have already two years of research experience. Yeah. It's not in neuroscience, but then I do have cell culture experience. I yeah. do have some in vitro, in vivo, protein characterization and all that. So if I'm spending another year, again, going back to the academia, I wanted this thing to be very concise and very yeah. specific yeah. so that when I apply for a PhD, the PhD supervisor sees, okay, this this person has this much enthusiasm because she's mm-hmm. already done a master's and now she's going to do it again. <laughs> so it better be, be for a good reason. So one thing was that the modules, the modules attracted to me, attracted me to the interview. Mm-hmm. Second, the research framework awards were mm-hmm. pretty much for the interview. And then NTU actually came in my financial budget, honestly. Mm-hmm. So that makes a, student, a massive difference. Yeah, as a student, I not only have to take care of my joke, like career, mm-hmm. my educational goals, but then I had to make sure that it comes in my finance. Yeah. So if being you can't afford to, yeah, you know, live, then you're not going to be able to study. Exactly. So NTU came in within my financial budgets, and they offered me a scholarship also international merit scholarship like the other universities do offer it but then everything worked out and Mm -hmm. I've talked I talked to several alumni from NTU not just from India from across Mm -hmm. the world so they support international students and then Nottingham is actually a pretty good place to live in you had a good mix of all the different things yeah finances plays a massive part um exactly you know I also did a second master's but I did it in a different subject and one of the main factors for me was how much is it going to cost because I was having to fund it myself like you funded yours yeah and it's a lot of money yes it's a lot of money it's like triple the money you pay because we are international students I was gonna say uh, I found it hard to part with that amount of money. I hate to think how you felt parting with that amount of money when it's 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 significantly more. So how did your master's here compare to the master's that you'd done before in your previous study? I would say this experience was great. And I was pushed to my limits, like in mm-hmm. a very good way. Don't take yeah. it very bad, but I was really pushed. And 
the best came out of me so mm-hmm. back in india it's more like you know you go through your course material you you mug up all those things and then you just put up in an exam paper mm-hmm. so basically we have it written for us or yeah. maybe we just borrow it from our seniors it's it's not that the system is bad like our our basics are strong in that mm-hmm. because we memorize everything yeah but here it's more of in the practical side yeah you don't have to mug up things you need to put you you need to read extra and yeah. show that okay you've read this yeah and then it's like applying you, it to a problem rather than exactly. just learning the side. in india you get the question pretty much direct like mm-hmm. okay t- tell me the answer to this question in here it's like how do you apply this to a real life problem yeah how did you find the move between those types of of study it was hard and pretty much challenging at first yeah. because it's not the system that we are used to because mm-hmm. we are used to writing a lot yeah. but here you don't have to write a lot you just have to write to the point yeah so me personally i write a lot <laughs> so for me concising things to the point yeah and making sure that i think the one of the main challenges i faced is selecting those valid points yeah selecting their validity that was pretty much hard but then here as i said before it's pretty much on the practical side mm-hmm. like you uh, you study something you you are like how do you apply it so yeah. in india the question might be uh, okay so what are the drugs there for the alzheimer's disease mm-hmm. but here it would be like if you were given a chance how would you develop it yeah it's a, it's a very different question isn't it and the way you've got to think the way you've got to frame the the answer exactly is is very different and I, I can imagine it being quite a challenge to move between those two if you've been used yeah. to answering things in a very set way yeah and then, changing that and here here are assignments compared to back in india were entirely different <laughs> how what kind of assignments did you have before well it was easy for us like we learned a lot during mm-hmm. those assignments in india where we had to go into library and we just had it was there in the books we just had mm-hmm. to copy it and frame it in our own words yeah but here you don't have it in books so one of the assignments that we had was we were given like half an hour and we had to write abstract for a paper mm-hmm. writing an abstract in half an hour was pretty challenging because i never thought i could do it but then we did it most yeah. like all of my friends did it and we scored well so yeah. so that that's the difference in india you have you you have time but then here one thing you learn is you learn to perform your best under stress yeah i suppose that's the thing is that you don't know what you can achieve until you're pushed and and then suddenly you're like oh actually i did it exactly so what was the best bit about your your degree at ntu i would say this the one year that i spent in ntu like i've achieved so much i never thought yeah. of achieving it so as well you were also a big part of it but then i went cambridge i never yeah. thought i could do that I, never in my dreams so i think ntu only helped me because one thing i learned after coming to ntu is that opportunity doesn't come to you you need to go behind it yeah and then you need to work for something if you really want it you need to put in your best and then everything the universe just aligns yeah 
but you then were like, you need to read about things yeah. and you need to go behind things and then ntu the staff and everybody have been so supportive that they they they've never spoon fed me or anything but then they've just aligned things in front of me that, so that i can go behind i think that's the thing isn't it it's not that we are trying to just give you things on a plate but exactly if there's opportunities we want you to take them yeah and and you would definitely you know someone who pushed for those so <laughs> you mentioned cambridge we went to cambridge didn't we for the neuroscience well, conference it was, a really good experience, wasn't it? Um, it was so exciting it was so nice in cambridge everyone rode bikes that i wasn't expecting so many bikes yeah. around um and then we went to the structural northern structural the biology conference presenting it there oh my you presented God. at that one which you did an amazing job but you pushed for those opportunities it wasn't like we were like oh let's just do this you know you pushed for those and you've shown that if you go out there and and try and seize those opportunities then the, it works out doesn't it what was the biggest challenge you faced then oh you know i academically uh, during my course i i was taking a risk when i took the project mm-hmm. which was fully bioinformatic and me being a cell biologist who yeah. loves doing it in wet lab who loves my pipit i do miss it really badly <laughs> <laughs> i took a big risk because yeah mm-hmm. coming to the uk i i went i was like why not study some bioinformatics and then well those initial days of the project where we did with dr christian thor and pranjali and udeshika well they were all really good so those initial days were very challenging for me yeah. because it was entirely new topic yeah so and it was a, an entirely new domain where i was like a baby in front of <laughs> softwares and biostatistics thinking okay what what am i doing but then you christian thought supported and then you know we went through that journey during 6 months of being babies to adults where we learned about bioinformatics yeah. we tried new softwares we came up with good results so those initial days were very challenging because it was really new field yeah but then with the support and by you know reading so much yeah. we overcame that so that bioinformatics bit was really challenging for me but now mm-hmm. I am confident I can handle any bioinformatic <laughs> project and that's just because of you and Christian Thord. Are you I'm glad that you kind of took that risk because it's yeah. um, it's I suppose it's it would have been very I say easy easy is the wrong word but it would have been easier to kind of stick with with what you're familiar with and yeah. and pick a wet lab project in something that you've already done before and not like guarantee a better grade but you know make it easier on yourself what was it that kind of made you think right i'm going to i'm going to do this i'm going to do something completely different i think the first thing was like you've come to the uk and then here you're studying something really new yeah why not why not explore those you know boundaries mm-hmm. because it, it's actually an opportunity you won't get yeah. it anywhere else you're you're not going to do another master's degree <laughs> <laughs> two is enough <laughs> so you've got 6 months it's a short project yeah. you need to explore those fields and coming from, see i have this interest in neuroscience and then bioinformatics i told you before the computational mm-hmm. thing 
is really something that's advancing in neuroscience. Yeah. So having a grasp of that is important in any whatever field you want to pursue. Having a knowledge or having an experience yeah. just puts you on the top applicant list. Yeah. Having so my goal, like, yeah. yeah, my goal, whatever I do, I just want. I was like, does this make me good in my CV? Does this put me in the top applicant list? Like, how close is this this getting me to the PhD? So I wanted everything in a mm-hmm. in a year, which is too much pressure on myself. But then everything I did, I made sure that it just took me a step closer to my PhD yeah. or maybe closer to upgrading myself mm-hmm. because I am applying for PhD. But then I, I should in case if I don't get it's not that I shouldn't be unhappy about it because mm-hmm. I've gained this much skills in one year. So I think, but then that risk was worth for everything. If I would have taken a cell biology project, yes, as you said, it would have been easier, easy for me. But then Cambridge would not have happened. No. University of Nottingham would not have happened. So I, I am, I'm a confident and much better person now because of the project. <laughs> so the risk was worth taking. So yeah. to all your listeners, I would say, go ahead. <laughs> take Take the risk risk. you never know what comes out of it that is very true and I think if you you can always push your projects beyond what they originally yeah you know that your lecturers will probably have this kind of framework ideal that they have in mind but that doesn't limit you if you are willing to put the extra effort in I remember I edited the project response form three times (laughs) First time I put a very much Alzheimer's disease one because mm-hmm. I was like, this is very much what I wanted to do. Why yeah. not go for it? But then, so I remember Fiona talking about it, our course leader, that we had our regular course. Uh, I don't remember what we used to say that time, but then she used to check up, check us on. Yeah. She used to have this checkup on is everything right? Mm-hmm. And then she was like, uh, why don't you try something? new something that you don't have experience because it can actually enhance your cv and i was like okay maybe i should go for it and then i edited it again putting the bio info once on top mm-hmm. but then i was too scared in the night i re-edited it again i was like no i'll just stick on to what i know because i want a phd so when a phd supervisor asked me do you have a wet lab experience you can be more you know you can show off a bit more like see i work <laughs> with this neuronal cell lines but then again two minutes before the submission I (laughs) re-edited again I'm like okay I think God wants me to do the bio info one now because I need to have some bio info work Mm -hmm. so that because I need to show something different in my CV because it's not being different I think it's very important Mm -hmm. to understand bioinformatics because normally like before doing this project I used to frown my face upon like I'm a wet lab scientist. Why should I need to do biostatistics or bioinformatics? It's not my field. We have a separate uh, department of people yeah. for that. But then it is very important. It, it makes your life yeah. very easy. Yeah. It makes your results very easy to analyze. Yeah. I think having the combination of the two really exactly. sets you apart. It's like the perfect combination, you know. Yeah. There always should be some bioinformatics or bioscience along with the wet lab Mm -hmm. work because it just adds validity to your data yeah 
and also that's the way that the field's going isn't it it's more and more computer-based with you know artificial intelligence and things like that it's it's going that direction so you know if we can get in there early then we may as well so you've mentioned about PhDs is that your plan moving forward yes that should be I am here for that and I'm trying hard for that I'm gonna say how is it going so far what's kind of the challenges around applying for PhDs so yeah so I just graduated right so Mm -hmm. my course just got over and pretty of the deadlines have closed right now yeah so or else I should have applied before but then if I would have applied before I would I could not put that uh I could not perform much better for Mm -hmm. this application process part because the deadlines have pretty much closed Mm -hmm. But then there are some of them, like we have the NTU one coming mm-hmm. up. But then it's just, you know, uh, the opportunities are very much less this time of the yeah. year. And uh, being an international student now, my student visa expires in the Jan for another two years. Yeah. The PhD projects start only in October. Mm-hmm. So the main challenge now is actually putting up the application. Mm-hmm. Because... Uh, I need to arrange funds for the uh, post-study work visa. So I'm working part-time. So I don't get much time to concentrate on working it, but this is my main focus. So Mm -hmm. obviously I'm getting into it. So one challenge is the uh, amount of opportunities is very much less now for PhD Mm -hmm. at this time of the year. So if I want to apply for next year, it it would the processes start next year but then yeah. but, but then, that gives you drive doesn't it that gives you yeah, it does you know push and and motivation to get things done so yeah. you know does that always work no but it, it does give yeah. you that that push yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm very much the same consequences actually yeah sometimes you push yourself too much hard that yeah you end up being drained or maybe exhausted yeah. and well things doesn't happen all the time it takes Mm. time and so yeah that's one of the things that for that I find it difficult for finding Mm. a PhD but then we've got the NTU one coming up we have NTU scholarships so check them out if you want to uh, do a PhD here at NTU so final question from me then if you could talk to yourself like 18 months ago you know, you're just starting the, the the process of thinking of going to the UK to do a degree. Is there anything you'd tell yourself? Is there anything that you'd like want to know or any kind of hints and tips for people who are thinking of doing the same thing as you? I would say when you choose a university, try choosing a university where it supports you academically, but mm-hmm. also there should be some personal growth. Yeah. Like, how supportive are the uh, lecturers? Mm-hmm. So I would say I did talk to some of the alumni, mm-hmm. but then talk more. Mm-hmm. And also don't just uh, stick to an university because your friends are going there. I, I didn't have any friends, but then there are people who came mm-hmm. with friends. And also choose universities not based on their overall ranking, mm-hmm. but based on your course ranking. Mm-hmm. And that's really important, isn't it? Because you don't know just because some, I don't know, a university might be performing well overall doesn't necessarily mean that that specific course is good. And also, if you are thinking of doing a taught programme like you were, 
I think it's really important to to look into that support level and and how much kind of support and guidance and things you can get because there's different focuses isn't there in different universities so you know what's your focus and how does that align to the university you're thinking of applying to I, I like that I like that so you're thinking of staying in the UK trying to hopefully do a PhD exactly hopefully start in September October time would you overall recommend people coming from all over the world to come and study in the UK well uh, by god's grace i did have the fund but then Mm -hmm. there are a lot of scholarships in the uk Mm -hmm. so if you get a scholarship and if you are able to afford your education Mm -hmm. i would say uk is the best but then there are things with visa problems because Mm -hmm. so you need to embrace yourself like okay i there are going to be a lot of hurdles that i have to cross but if i am ready for it if I am ready to, you know, to follow my passion or maybe mm-hmm. to find an opportunity and go behind it, I, I'd say UK is the best. Like, this country has been really good to me. I've seen an entire different side of mine in the mm-hmm. UK. I was never like this. I, 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 was, I was never the one who went on stages or presented. I was always the this more studious one who used mm-hmm. to write, score good marks. <laughs> that side of mine I think it's just because I came to the UK that I understood Mm. even my parents understood that okay our child has disability she can she's not that you know introvert she can talk on stage I think my decision has been the best for me I did have difficulties arranging finances like because Mm -hmm. we need to do here part-time yeah so doing a part-time and doing a full-time degree is difficult but then if you understand that it's the process and you are ready for it and then at the end of this tunnel there's always light obviously you'll work for it if you're you're planning to come to the uk if you're ready to face difficulties in your way and conquer them i would say uk is the best option i love that just having those all those opportunities it's up to you to to face them and to embrace those opportunities and to overcome the challenges and then you should come with an open mind Mm -hmm. and then you should come with that you know clear mind where you'll be like you'll not stop it halfway you're you're gonna go all the way going all the way yeah and if you've got a university that can support you then all the better exactly thank you so so much for uh coming and having a chat with me today this is my first time in a podcast I would like to thank for everything you've done for me. Like, say, one of the best things that happened in the UK was you and NTU because I would not have reached anywhere to where I have reached now if it wasn't for you. Yeah, I hope I I did justice for you, like, you know, coming to the podcast and sharing my experience. You definitely did. To anyone listening, if you would like to tell me your educational journey, whether it's a home or an international student journey, please get in contact. I would love to hear from you.